Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Monday, March 30th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Today we're joined by star columnist Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian, who've been writing about topics other than sports these days. Sam's latest offering takes a look at employees who are being compelled by bosses to work when they don't feel comfortable as COVID-19 grips the nation and our region. Vahe writes about the pandemic and mental health issues. We talk about these topics, and then after a break, we get into sports. Plus, toward the end of our conversation, we explore Sam's new venture. Check out what Sam's doing. So here we go with Sam and Vahe. Sam and Vahe are here. How are you? How are you guys doing? Great, man. You? I am. I am dynamite, Blair. Well, that that's great. I was going to um, ask you about your weekends. It's the first. Um, it was the first full weekend since uh, mandatory lockdowns and shut-ins and whatever else we're calling it. Maybe it's the second. Maybe we did this last weekend. I don't remember being out much last weekend, but it just seemed like it, everybody was in this weekend. And how, how did you guys manage uh, the, the the great indoors on on a beautiful weekend? By the way, Sam, why don't you go first? Well, <laughs> um, I had a great weekend. Um, actually, and you know, it's, it's kind of depressing though. I, I've started to realize how little my life has changed under this like, <laughs> shelter in place order. Um, it's pretty bad. <laughs> like I never, I never realized how I was living my life until I'm just not changing all that much right now. Other than, you know, me and my wife, like we got in a habit of maybe not every week, but every other week. And sometimes every week, um, you know, getting a sitter and going out for dinner, just the two of us. And, and that obviously didn't happen right now. But, um, you know, the rest of it, I can't go to the gym to work. I used to and, – and I mean that literally. Like I, I would go to my gym all the time, rarely work out. Uh, but they had a, a nice little lobby for me there um, to, to just work outside the house. But other than that, man, it's um, – it's, <laughs> really is sad how, how status quo it is. I mean, I, I was outside a lot with the kids, um, you know, smoked some ribs yesterday, um, played, played a nice little game of catch with, uh, with the kindergartner. Um, you know, the, the weather was beautiful. So, uh, you know, shoot, especially all things considered, um, the way, the way everything's going, I, it, it was an absolutely great weekend. What about you guys? Well, I, uh, go ahead, Vi. Um, well, I'll just say uh, I, I, it's interesting. I I, uh, I was out a little bit, um, definitely at social distance, but but also trying to sort of find this balance of um, going in and getting things done that you want to get done. And I don't want to brag or anything, but I did send a friend uh, something I've been meaning to send him since two thousand eight um, <laughs> on a, on Saturday. I went to the main post office at Union Station um, where they had the, everything stripped off in six foot increments and uh, everybody respected that. And even the exchange with the postal worker, every time you step forward to the counter, she had a uh, mask and gloves on. She stepped back a couple feet. It was a little eerie, but kind of, I think, uh, cheerfully eerie and, and uh, was very appreciative that they're able to do their jobs. Um, and so things like that took a bunch of walks um, and uh, threw a football around with Cindy. She's uh, she's learning to spin it like Patrick Mahomes. 
that was that was pretty good. And uh, we share a driveway with neighbors, and their young kids are keeping distant, but uh, their voices are present, and that's pretty uh, pretty cheerful for us, really, to to have that. And we also did a virtual cocktail party one night. That was pretty good. Um, so a little bit of that. Uh, I did notice, though, Sam. I, I, I I'm sure you're cognizant of this, but but. I do think these are the first couple of weekends any of us have been home in March for many years. Um, and that's that's kind of the, the big thing. The big twist of all this is, uh, you know, we'd be getting back from Houston right about now, probably. And, and uh, either planning to go to the final four or, or not at this stage. That is the you know, when Sam was saying that his things haven't changed much for him, I, I, I think you mean on. Um, you know, certain days because clearly this would have been a uh, you know we would have as you as you said by we'd have been uh, in all likelihood coming off uh, a regional final working our way back from Houston as we know now that's where can- top seeded Kansas would have placed itself in in that region and and uh, we'd be I don't know maybe preparing for for the final four I I did a lot of walking myself this weekend and I'm learning now sidewalk etiquette. Uh, <laughs> Who should yeah. who should move into the grass and, and and who should stay on the sidewalk? I'm I, I go ahead and slide into the grass early, maybe with I don't know fifty feet as on approach, and so there's no to sort of take the guesswork out of it. I'll I'll get in the grass and um and uh, but say hi to everybody, and I think that's still important yeah. when you pass someone on the street or on the sidewalk. Say hello, say good morning, and uh, and be be as cheerful as you can be. One thing else I've noticed and. And um, I've seen a lot of families like the Mellingers, uh, just mom, dad, and kids out and about on on small bikes and wagons and, you know, families uh, walking together. And it's it's really neat to see. And it's probably opportunities they don't always have uh, in a a normal situation. So uh, I really have enjoyed seeing a, a lot of that. Same here. Yeah. Yep. All right, so yeah, both I mean, you guys- it is wild. Well, it, it is wild. Like like you mentioned, um, I'm very much my, my personal life is is not much different. That's the depressing thing. <laughs> um, but the, uh, uh, <laughs> you're right. Like professionally, um, you know, th- this is a month that we'd be gone fifteen nights, twenty. I don't know, um, a lot. And yeah. um, you know, I do love my family. It's nice to be here, but I do miss. Uh, covered the basketball tournament too. Worked on the lawn on 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 uh, Sunday, no Saturday, and that's usually reserved for the first weekend after the the final four. Yeah. For for me, it's <laughs> that's uh, that's the first mow and the you know spending time out there. But no, it came in in late March this year. Hey, so both you guys, you dominated the print editions of the Kansas City Star Sports section today with uh, with with columns that were wonderfully written. And uh, included very little about sports. Uh, I, we touched on it a little bit last week, Sam, and and uh, but just take us through the what, what you what you tried to uh, get across in in your column today. Yeah, so um, you know, for for us, for I'm guessing eighty percent of the people listening to this, uh, you know, our, our work lives have changed pretty drastically, right? And uh, there's obviously no games to cover and there's some sports it's so right about, but, uh, you know, find myself, you know, interested and in wanting to write about how actual real people 
are getting their way through this. And, you know, some of that's been positive. Some of it's been, you know, talking to some people about some, some rough times and, you know, kind of through that, um, some of it is from direct solicitation. Some of it is from people just reaching out. Um, I, I've heard from way too many people and, uh, you know, about my boss is, is, is demanding that we all come in. And if we need to stay home, uh, with symptoms or just from, you know, protection of, a, of our own safety, we have to use sick leave uh, or vacation. And, you know, there's not very many people that have enough sick leave plus vacation to, you know, last through the end of April, right? Which is just the, uh, the absolute earliest um, that the shelter in place is going to go. So um, I, I got really interested in this idea of, you know, bosses and managers, and I'm not trying to you know, vilify them. I understand they've, they've got pressures um, that are real and, and that I empathize with, but they are putting a lot, too many of them, um, it's the minority of overall businesses, but it's far too many, putting their employees in a position where they're choosing between, okay, do I go into this office for a job? And I'm not talking about doctors, nurses, you know, police, people like that, that, that I think we'd all agree need to, need to keep on working. Um, I'm talking about people and I'm trying to protect them as best I can because they are fearful for their jobs. So I'm not going to name the fields that they're in or certainly the businesses they work for, but these are not places where any reasonable person would think that they are essential. Um, I mean, these are, uh, absolutely on, on the far end of the spectrum and, and some of them are in businesses that damn should know better. And their employees are being put in a position where do I go into the office where I don't feel safe, uh, where I'm, you know, directly interacting with the public for a job that I don't think is essential right now, um, close to other coworkers who I don't know where, where they're going or how closely they're adhering to social distancing. Do I do that or do I try to stay home, use sick leave as long as I can, and then risk not having a job? And who wants to be without a job right now? in this environment. And it's just, it's a terrible predicament that employers are putting their, their employees into. And I just, I, I think it needs to be called out. And I wish that some of these people would speak on the record. I absolutely understand their position and why they don't want to. Um, but you know, it's one thing if you hear one story about it, two stories about it, three stories about it, but when that starts to multiply um, over and over and you hear just really, eerily similar stories from, from so many. Um, I just, I, I felt like it was something I really wanted to write. I guess I'm, uh, not surprised, but saddened yeah. to hear about that. You know, yeah. that is, um, that's just tough. Um, and I, I hope, I hope the column, um, provides some illumination to, um, to, to employers that, uh, that, that are in that, in, in that situation. Yeah, so, me too. I hope so. Hey, and Vahe, same with you. I, uh, you know, it was just a, uh, a departure from the, the sports norm, and, and there's been a lot of that here in the last uh, three weeks or so. Tell us about what you wrote. Yeah, well, you know, along the lines of what Sam said at the end there, it, it, at some point some of these things just speak to you in a certain way that you feel compelled to try to, try to write about. And I, I, I wrote, um, for lack of a better term, about sort of the – implications, the mental health implications um, that are uh, a necessity, that mental health implications are a necessity, but obviously the social distancing is a necessity, but the the implications, um, 
The unintended consequences include isolation and loneliness and perhaps triggers for a lot of, a lot of uh, um, sorts of potential mental health crisis ahead. And what's interesting, it, and it, we've all experienced this part in some way or another. I got thinking about sort of the basics of writing this a couple of weeks ago when we were just kind of facing that initial feeling of like, okay, I'm still shaking hands, but I don't know if I really should, but it's kind of weird to not shake hands. And then a day later, it's like, okay, we're all putting the elbows up and, you know, and teaching Sam what live long and prosper means and (laughs) stuff like that. And then uh, uh, the more I thought about that, the more I felt like this really throws me off. I mean, this is our very first level of engagement with each other. And and then as, as the days went by and I had other things I was working on, you could you could sort of start feeling the broader point about that. And so I wanted to make sure to talk to some mental health experts and, and try to understand if they feel the same kind of fear I do about, you know, all the, 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 the people that are vulnerable, all the people that are lonely, uh, all the different kinds of things that could be throwing so many people off. And um, I felt like I did feel like it was important to try to write about it. And important to write about um, and be able to include some things that I thought might be not remedies, but at least worthwhile things to uh, to consider as we all face this, because everybody is facing this. It's not just those prone to um, some of these issues of anxiety and stress and depression before. I mean, it's 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 everybody. And I I actually one of the reasons uh, I want to get to my printer today is to print out this thing that Advent Health Shawnee Mission put together with 10, I thought, really helpful uh, points for that we can all kind of practice to to uh, appreciate and, and reach out to others. Yeah. You, you know, Vahe, when, when I read that, I, I thought about all, you know, all of us are married. And um, and, and so when we, we don't we don't have empty homes or, or apartments, I, I thought about young, young professional people who, you know, who aren't home and living by themselves and, and how difficult it might be for them to, to cope. And, um, look, every, everybody has, uh, everybody has, you know, their, their challenges during this time. I, I just, I, I was just thought uh, thinking about people without maybe a support group at home or, or just some, a loved one at home to, to help get them through a tough time. A- absolutely, Blair. I mean, that's, that's something foremost on, on our minds, I think. And, and, you know, this is kind of a maybe a goofy side point, but I, for whatever reason, I've been inspired to sort of do a theme song of the day during the shut-in and trying to find things that might have a little sense of humor to them, or, or you know, just have a title that's kind of apt. And but, but I was thinking about putting up uh, Eleanor Rigby, the Beatles song, in the last day or two, and and with a few words of my own to make the point that it's it's not it, it that song is a piercing, almost shattering song about loneliness and isolation and um, wanting to use that as a reminder to people to reach out. But I actually felt like it was just too sad and depressing to be that blunt with it. So uh, I shelved it for the time being, but I, I know you guys are thinking about the very same things that way that, that, that I am. And I think a lot of people think that way. And I, I think that's one of the things that gives us hope that there are people very conscious of the suffering of others right now and looking to do extraordinary things to help. I, I know we've come across some of those people. Yeah. One, one of my favorite things about reading that, um, one of, um, is that 
I think you guys might agree with this. I, um, I, I think that in the last five or 10 years, it seems like the awareness and, you know, just from a personal standpoint, my own education and understanding of mental health and the struggles that, that people have with depression and a lot of other, um, a lot of other issues has grown exponentially. Um, in the last, I mean, I, I think 10, 15, 20 years ago, we were still in the, you know, sort of, um, you know, just get over it, rub some dirt on it kind of thing. Yeah. And I think just in the last five or 10 years, I really think that that started to turn and, and it's too late. I mean, it's, um, you know, it should have happened a long time ago, but I, I've been encouraged that it seems to keep gathering momentum. And I think one of the ways that it's going to keep doing that and, and get to where it should be is with, with pieces like that, with, with what you did, Baha'i. So it was, it was just really cool to see on a lot of different levels. Yeah, thanks, Sam. At the same time, uh, I keep reading there's less and less funding for mental health issues, mm-hmm. which, is, um, mm-hmm. which is a shame. Mm-hmm. So, okay, let's take a quick break here, guys. And when we come back, we'll, uh, we'll talk a little sports and, uh, and how sports is um, in the news with the coronavirus. Be right back. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50, unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Back with Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian. We're just talking sports. Uh, we, were, we, hit, we weren't talking sports before, but we're going to talk some sports now. Just... Just over the weekend and, and today, Monday, there have been some, some news items I thought are, of, of interest, so sports items. Augusta National is going to donate $2 million toward testing and relief. Of course, there's not going to be a Masters played, at least at the, when it's scheduled to be played. Um, Lionel Messi, the, the great footballer, uh, said he would uh, agree to take 70% less of his of his pay, which was is over a hundred million dollars a year, to donate to the to the cause, um, something that Vahe and I were looking at just a little while ago. Uh, Century Link Field in Seattle is being turned into a hospital by the Army Corps of Engineers, and uh, for non-COVID uh, nineteen patients, they're moving. Uh, they're they're using the hospitals exclusively for COVID nineteen patients in Seattle. Of course, one of the epicenters and. And using the space at CenturyLink Field for for regular hospital stays. So, um, all that is is how sports is adjusting to this uh, this new reality. And uh, and I don't know about you guys, but uh, I feel good when I read stories like that. Well, heck, heck yeah, I do too. And and I know we've talked about this in some form or another. And sports, you know, we want to be careful not to be Pollyannas about sports. Obviously, there's a lot of things that that uh, could be better about the way they play out. And, and sometimes they're a mirror of what we don't want to see in society, but a lot of times it can be an influence or even a sort of tip of the spear for, for things that are pretty desirable. And I think we all feel like sports kind of led the charge on 
uh, recognition of what needed to be done, shutting things down. And, and we've certainly seen um, very upbeat and inspiring gestures by, uh, by people in prominent positions through sports. And, and that's sort of my takeaway from it, an ongoing feeling of, uh, of the, the potential upside of what, what people in these positions can do. Another another note tonight, Monday night. I didn't get the time. I don't know if it's eight or seven o'clock. Uh, ESPN is going to show some of the best of recent years of Monday night football. <laughs> and to kick it off, they're they're going to televise or rerun the Chiefs Rams game at the LA Coliseum two years ago in in twenty eighteen. I was not at that game. I was covering the um, the basketball tournament at Sprint Center. That was the game that was played in L.A. instead of Mexico City. And, um, and the game was moved from Mexico City because of the turf issues. That was one of the wilder games I believe I have ever seen. They, they, they show, I, I was sitting next to Dave Scretta from the AP, and we had it on one of our laptops. I can't remember. And we were not paying much attention to – a team that would end up playing for the national championship that year, Texas Tech, and, uh, and we were mesmerized by uh, Rams Chiefs. What do you guys remember about that game, Sammy? Oh you want God. to start? Yeah, <laughs> you have better memory than I do. You'll you'll get more of the details. No, I mean it was just um, the wildest damn game, uh, really that that I think I've ever seen in my life. I mean, uh, I, I remember. You know, going to the stadium that I, I'd never been to that stadium before. Um, I, I remember that it was uh, kind of in the middle of the fires that they were having there, and uh, you know, trying to fill a stadium on short notice, even for an NFL game, is is difficult. The Rams gave away a bunch of tickets uh, to first responders. I remember. Um, <laughs> I remember the, the the Rams. I think right tackle uh, yes. jumping what like what I thought was just a false start by a second and a half. That was and, that was the first thing I thought of. Yeah, <laughs> just went uncalled and the Rams scored a touchdown. I, I you know I remember uh, Steve Nelson uh, uh, getting beat by uh, shoot I forgot the receiver. Uh, really good was it was it Brandon Cooks. Um, got beat on a play, but then recovered in time to knock the ball away at the end. And people were still screaming at Steven Nelson because it was just muscle memory to yell at every Chiefs cornerback that year. Uh, <laughs> I remember, um, was, was it Sorensen that got isolated uh, on, yes. on the Rams last drive? I remember, yes. uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes threw, I think it was 474 yards and six touchdowns that, that day, I think. Um, yeah, that's all. I'm not. I'm not trying to pull a Bill Self, you know, you might want to check me on this. But I, I do think that that's right. Um, but he also threw four interceptions. And and I thought, like, really the, the, the first sort of, ooh, that was a bad decision executed poorly um, on, on one of the – it was later. Um, I think it might have been the one that Marcus Peters picked off or maybe the one right before that. Anyway, it's just kind of a, a bad decision to throw a ball that he shouldn't have. Uh, and he knew it right away and talked about it immediately in the post game. Uh, but gosh, I remember, I remember that that locker room seeming to be like the uh, the uh, uh, the size for like a high school basketball team, uh, and trying to navigate your way through that. I remember so much about that game. It was it was one of those games where you knew that you just saw something pretty amazing. And and I, I can't remember what I wrote, but I was very tempted to write like 
holy cow, I know the Chiefs lost, but this was a game for the ages. And then the next day or maybe a couple days later, Bill, Bill Barnwell, who I think is terrific at what he does, writes for ESPN, came out with a piece arguing for that as the, the, the greatest regular season game in NFL history. And I think there's a point to be made for that. Wow. Well, you know, it's funny, Sam, it, 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 the, the term you used was uh, ever saw. And I, I, what I remember thinking, one of the things right away was the oddity of a really funky press box that was being yeah. re- reworked. And we had a lot of obstructed view. Yeah. I mean, we were kind of, I, I, I remember, I think, actually getting up to move around to kind of take a better look. And it had the extra oddity of having all the Chiefs front office people sitting in front of us. So they were kind of on their P's and Q's because everything they would do, we would watch. <laughs> so that was a little weird. Um, and I, for some reason, Andy Reid, uh, John at Jared Goff, uh, yeah, that <laughs> to me, that was kind of, kind of goofy. And, um, remember Marcus Peters. And I really believe this is true. Patrick said that, uh, in that little tussle at the goal line, when people were piling on that, uh, Marcus Peters was trying to protect him from getting jumped on. Now, Maybe Patrick was just being politically correct, but uh, I think a lot of people thought Marcus was was doing more damage under there. Just all these little snapshots are, are what kind of come back. It was a really crazy experience, and I think you guys already said this, but I guess, is this correct? It was the first NFL game and only NFL game where both teams scored over 50? It is. Yeah. The, the Chiefs uh, scored the most. It was 54-51, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. It's the the only time in NFL history a team scored 50 points and lost the game. So um, I didn't realize, Sam, that was your first game at the L.A. Coliseum. A stadium built in 1932 for athletes who were the size of you know, 1932 athletes. Right. And so, um, you know, they did, the locker rooms didn't need to be that large. But it's hard to believe that that was also, you know, for years, the home stadium for the, for the L.A. Rams and then later the L.A. Raiders. And so um, – but there, there's no way you can, you know, an NFL team should be playing home games there as the Rams have done for for the last few years. But it was an incredible, incredible game and back and forth. Tyreek Hill, I think, had his career best in yards receiving. It was over 215, I think, in that game. And and you're right, the yards from Mahomes stands as his career best. And the six touchdowns matches, I think, his career best. He had six against the Steelers earlier that year. So it was it was quite a game, and and uh, and, and I, I I felt bad for you guys having to come up with columns on deadline that night, and um, not an easy thing. So so that's on tonight on ESPN, and um, and and before we get out of here, I wanted to ask Sam about joining the podcast space. <laughs> he is he is in that space as of last Friday and hopefully every Friday. I hope every Friday and uh, I'm, I'm I count me as your loyal listener number 1 on Mellinger minutes for your ears. Tell us what that's going to be about, Sam. Yeah, well, I'm just trying to continue the Stars long tradition of proud and terrific <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> yeah, Dave Helling has a terrific one. Yes, background. No, yeah, on, on background is, is is terrific. But uh, no, I mean it's it's look, it's it's an attempt to provide something new um, for our beloved subscribers, and uh, you know, roughly around the the format of the Mellinger minutes that I'm working on right now that will hopefully be up tomorrow morning uh, on the website. It's 
you know, going to hopefully have a point to make in the beginning, uh, then a conversation uh, with readers uh, who can call. I can plug this this number right now, right? Uh, 816-234-4365. Just leave your name and uh, where you're calling from. And leave a question, and, and we might we might include it. And then uh, the goal is to also then include some some sort of I guess exclusive audio, whether that's um, you know a conversation with someone that I think is is interesting that people would like to hear from in sports. Uh, it could be you know on the other side of of what we're in right now. Maybe it's some audio that I pick up at the ballpark or a stadium or whatever. Um, but you know, something else, you know, sort of a bonus segment last week, we had, uh, Mike Matheny, um, on, and we talked about what should have been opening day. And I asked him, uh, how he was passing his time. And he, he said, he's like finishing his basement. I didn't know he was, you know, a, a, a manager slash carpenter. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this week, I don't want to jinx it by saying, but it's, it's somebody else who is, you know, very, I, I, I think very interesting and, um, and, and also timely to have talking this week as well. So hopefully we'll be able to do that most weeks. Very good. That, that number again, is, is this right? 816-234-4365. You got it. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, leave your question and it'll be Mellinger Minutes for the Ears. I like the title. Um, I, I like the original title of the column, Don't Kill the Mellinger, but that we just can't, can't have that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember what happened with that. Uh, it's, it's taken on a few different... Uh, yeah. Twitter Tuesday. Remember yeah, when it was Twitter Tuesday? Tuesday. Way back in the day, it was Ballstar. I don't, I don't know. I just <laughs> got commitment issues, I guess. <laughs> I got you. All right, Sam Vahe, great catching up with you, and we will do this again soon. Thanks, Blair. Right. Thanks, Blair. Thanks for spending time with us today, and a shout-out to our producers, Derek Donovan, Savannah Smith, Randy Mason, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Hey, these unique times, which call for some adjustments in our games, the columns written by Vahe and Sam can be found in the show notes. I think you'll enjoy them, and they're free. There's no paywall for the Stars' COVID-19 coverage. Stay informed during this health crisis through KansasCity.com. And as a reminder, if you want to leave Sam a question for Mellinger Minutes for the Ears, that number again is 816-234-4365. I think I'll leave him a question. Well, that'll do it for today. We'll be back on Tuesday with another episode of Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day. Every day.